This is Pastor Derek Thomas of Living Witness Ministries, and I want to welcome you to the Living Word Podcast. I pray that today's teaching blesses you, inspires you, and encourages you to live a life worthy of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that we serve. God bless. Our thought for today is found in John 
the third chapter, verse 16, a very familiar verse, yet God has given us a unique way of looking at it today. It says in your hearing, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As we speak this morning to the subject, the battle of giving, amen, the battle of giving, every war is hallmarked by a battle that lives in history, whether it be the Battle of the Bulge in World War One, D-Day, the Battle of Normandy in World War Two, or Desert Storm as a whole. Warfare sees its hallmark battles that define the trajectory, not only of the war, but the trajectory of life in society as we know it. It's no different in the spiritual realm either. We're in the midst of our series, This Means War. And this particular message actually came off cycle. The Lord gave this message to me and is giving this message to me even right now in the midst of all that's happening in the world today. When we look at our plight as it pertains to racial injustice, when we look at our plight as it pertains to the economy, when we look at our plight as it pertains to uh, the health crisis with the coronavirus pandemic, we realize that more than ever before, we as believers are put in a position to give at degrees that we've never given before, to give of our time, to give of our talent, to give of our treasure, but most importantly, to give of our essence in the love that we have for, for God through Jesus Christ in the form of our witness. Oftentimes, we're going into hostile territory as many battles and skirmishes begin and ensue in history. We're going into hostile territory, but we have to remember that in going into this hostile territory, that we're not going alone. And our success in the battle of giving comes with us realizing that we're not going alone. And you may say, well, Pastor, how is it that you can say that I'm not going alone? You don't know my story. You don't know the magnitude of 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 time and tears and and treasure and, and things that I've invested to get to this point. I'm here to let you know that you're absolutely right. I don't know, but I know one that does know. And his name is Jesus. And we have to realize a few things as we learn how to be victors in the battle of giving. The first thing that we have to realize and understand, beloved, is that this battle of giving is fueled by our love. Amen. It's fueled by our love for God through Christ Jesus. Look at what it says here. John wrote it for God so loved the world that he gave, period. I say this time and again that the simplest of sentences are the most effective. And if we look at the simplicity of the sentence for God so loved the world that he gave, in that simplicity, we see the depth and the complexities of the sentence and the work that God has called us to do. Love is an action word, and we have to realize that many times from the standpoint of love, the action that we're called to take is action that's truly agape in nature. God is seeking for us to walk in a love wherein we want the very best for our brothers and sisters that may be hostile towards us even if it means the worst for us. This is what God did through his son, Jesus. This is what Jesus did. Jesus loved us so much that he stretched himself out high and wide and died so that we might live. 
Many times we're put in positions where we feel like we may have to die spiritually, spiritually. We may have to die emotionally and we take offense to that. But we have to understand and realize that if we're true soldiers of the cross in times of warfare, we've been trained, finely tuned instruments, as the, as the military says, of destruction. We've been trained spiritually to be finely tuned instruments of destruction for the kingdom of darkness. But at the same time, we've been created to be finely tuned instruments of light and grace and salvation for those that don't know God that desire that light to come into their lives. If you remember the prophecy that was written about Christ, it says in part, he came unto his own and his own received him not. But it goes on to say, but to those that did receive him, as I paraphrase, they received salvation and they received light, the light that comes from the one that was deemed the light of the world. God desires us to be that light, that point of light in this time of darkness, that point of light in this time of turmoil, that point of light in this time of trial. And the only way that we can be said point of light is to truly do this thing in the battle of giving in love. There's no other way we can do it. In our minds, it doesn't make sense for us to give to that magnitude. In our hearts, it doesn't make sense for us to give in that magnitude. If we look at if we look at our coffers, we see we don't have enough to give in that magnitude. The only way that we can do it is from a platform of unconditional agape love. And that's what God is calling us to walk in in this season. But more so than that, not only do we do this thing from the standpoint of love, we go back to the verse. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, which is the second point. We have to give something of value. We have to give of ourselves. We have to give that thing that's valuable to us. Many times sacrifice, we think sacrifice is given the extra that we have, given what we've got left over. But I, I submit to you today that God is calling us not only to tithe, but to sacrifice, to give the very best of ourselves in the very worst of times. That's what Jesus did. The word says here, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, only begotten son. That was all he had. That was the only son that God had. He gave his very best. He took the hallmark approach. He cared enough about us to send his very best. Traditionally in the word, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, the first fruit of everything is a gift and given to God. As it pertains to children, the firstborn son, the firstborn child was automatically dedicated to God. And it was assumed that they'd be used mightily by God to do work. Well, isn't it something that God took his firstborn, his only son? and chose to use him as a sacrifice to die so that we might live. He viewed his son as a seed as it pertained to us. And he planted that seed in the ground that was the earth here. And he knew that that seed would have to be broken. And he knew that it would have to be a manifestation of the word that Jesus spoke when he said, unless a seed goes into the ground and braces, I paraphrase, and dies, can it come up and be a blessing to others? God understood and knew that it would have to be a sacrifice because as a father, no father wants to sacrifice their son to anything adverse, much less death, much, much less death at the hands of those who don't appreciate and understand who he is. God is calling us today more than ever before to aspire to be sacrificial in our giving. The way that we're going to win in this war of giving in our minds is to understand that this is a sacrifice. We're finally tuned instruments designed for such a time as this to make a divine difference in the lives of 
others. It might mean that we may not come back home. It might mean that we may have to sacrifice some time. It might mean that we may have to sacrifice some talent. It might mean we may have to take a pay cut. It might mean we may have to sacrifice a limb or sacrifice something that's valuable to us. But I'm here to let you know, if you sow that seed, if we sow that seed in warfare and we truly believe in the greater good that's going to come from it, God is going to bless us 100 fold. He's going to bless us many times over for the reward that we become by being a blessing to other people. God lets us know in his word that we're blessed to be a blessing to others. The Bible lets us know, and we, we, we misequate it with just money. It says, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall God bless us and restore us? But I'm here to let you know it's more than just money. If we give of our time, if we give of our efforts, if we give of our talent, if we give of our gifts, if we make the conscious decision to say, God, before I do anything else, I'm going to make sure that your business is taken care of. I'm going to make sure that the ministry and the call of ministry that you have on my life is taken care of first. Before I go on that trip, before I take this drive, before I see about this matter before I take care of this situation. God, I'm going to put you first. And as we put God first, what God begins to do is he begins to take those things that seem foolish to other people and use them to confound the foolish, to confound the wise, to confound the world. And, and people are wondering, how can you spend all that time away from home, yet your marriage is thriving and flourishing? How can you spend all that time away from your children, doing missionary work around the world, yet your children are straight-A students and, and excelling? How can you spend all that time away from work, doing the work of ministry that you're not getting paid for. And not only are you not missing a beat in your pay, but you're getting raises and favor and increases. The answer is, if you tend to God's business, God will tend to your business. He'll make sure that everything that you're involved in prospers. He'll make sure that everything that you have is, is in not only abundance, but superabundance. And the battle of giving comes for uh, when we realize that it's a sacrifice and we understand that in order to gain the promise, we have to endure some pain. But understand, which is the last point, that with the pain that's invested, the promise always manifests. With the investment of pain, there's always a manifestation of promise. Look at what it says in the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here's a promise. That's the pain. Here's a promise that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God always has a promise tied to the pain that we go through. There's a saying that I see all the time and everybody knows what it is. It's not anything original, no pain, no gain. I see it in the gym every time I go to the gym, and though it's been a while with coronavirus, but I still remember it from my times in the gym. But I've taken that and, and I've, I've extrapolated that saying into every area of my life, particularly when it pertains to ministry in those areas. And I found a fundamental truth to be in play, that every time God calls me to give from the scope and standpoint of ministry, there's pain involved. The pain might not always be physical pain. The pain might be mental anguish in praying for somebody. The pain might be heartfelt in weeping and mourning for a situation. The pain might be a perceived inconvenience of, of being stopped dead in my tracks and doing something else to bring forth a message or to, to write something down or to listen to what God is saying. The pain might be whatever the inconvenience 
inconvenience my flesh might perceive to be as an inconvenience, but I have to override my flesh and help my flesh understand that there's a promise tied to everything, an eternal promise tied to every inconvenience that my flesh is called to do. Y'all might be called to get up at three o'clock in the morning to intercede for somebody I don't know, but the promise is that as sure as I'm interceding for somebody, somebody's interceding for me. I might be in pain and understand that I may have to give my last $10 at God's unction, but I trust the promise that if I give that last $10 to someone that might look sketchy by the world standards, God in no uncertain terms will make provision for me and my household in ways that I couldn't even see or understand. The word puts it this way. Eyes have not seen nor ears heard, neither has it entered into the son of man. The things that God has prepared for them that love him. Those that are willing to understand that the pain, that the suffering, as the word says, as I paraphrase, the pain that's, that's, that's suffered in this moment pales in comparison to the victory and the joy that comes in serving the master through Christ Jesus. We have to understand today more than ever before that our lives are pages that are being written on and documented in, in history and eternity. And just as we open up U.S. history books and read about Normandy, and just as we open up history books and read about the Battle of the Bulge. And just as we open up history books and read about Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and we read about <clears throat> Desert Storm and Desert Freedom, in heaven, the history books will be opened and look at the battle of giving that took place in your life and in my life when you sacrifice that time to pray, when you sacrifice that time to fellowship, when you sacrifice that time to witness, when you sacrifice your life to do the work of ministry, when you laid your life down as Christ laid down his life so that others might come to know God through Jesus as a result of your testimony. The promise is ultimately that we'll hear our master say, well done done my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things, which includes these days that we have. I'll make your ruler come and I'll make your ruler over many. We have to realize that life is nothing more than a series of seasons strung together that God gives us for a designated period of time. We have a designated start date. We have a designated end date, but it's what we do with that dash in the middle, that dash, that sprint in the middle, because in God's eyes, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And if we look at the 70 years that we've been promised based on the word of God, that's about three hours that God has given us here in the earth. And you have to sprint in that three hours in the spirit, sprint in doing the work of ministry, sprint in making a difference in the lives of others, sprint in making an impact in the earth, sprint in writing your portion of history so that as these battles are recorded, the victory comes in us understanding that God's ways are far above our ways and that victory is imminent as long as we function in love, as long as we understand and, get, and do it sacrificially, and most importantly, as long as we understand that though there might be pain for a season, the promise always outweighs the pain. So as we look at our world today and we look at the plight that we're in, I encourage you, beloved, to continue to stand and battle in this warfare because this warfare is not about flesh and blood. This warfare is not about gun and glory. This warfare is not about nuclear warheads and, and nuclear Armageddon and annihilation. This warfare is about winning souls for the kingdom. We're on the winning side. We have a winning strategy. God desires us to do all that he's called us to do so that we might do the work in this warfare to war in the spirit and truly win for God's glory. Amen.
I pray that you were blessed by today's word. The Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. If you've never taken the opportunity to do either one of those things, won't you join me now in prayer? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you a sinner. I believe that you sent your son to die that I might live. I believe that he lived, died, rose again, ascended to heaven, and is coming back for sinners just like me. I confess my sin, I ask you into my heart, and I ask you into my life. Thank you, Lord, that by faith I am now saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like to welcome you into the household of faith and into a loving relationship of salvation with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please email me and let me know of your experience or if you have any prayer requests or praise reports, please email me. The email address is livingtowitness at gmail.com. That's living, the number two, witness at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Pastor Derek Thomas encouraging you to live your life as a living witness.